I think that with this word, budget, too often there's a negative connotation. And I want to break that. I want to break any fear or worry or anxiety that may come when you hear the word budget. Hey everybody, welcome to Getting Money Right. My name is Leo Sabo and with me is my good friend and co-host David Thompson. We've got a great show for you today, so let's get right to it. David? In this episode, we're going to discuss creating a financial plan for your entire life. So when you have a giant size life and a big journey ahead of you, Leo, how do we start this? How do we begin the process? I think the first step is to have uh, a plan that's going to involve some goal setting. You have to have a destination. Where do you want to go? What does that look like to you? And it's important to not just think or wish it, but to actually put a plan in place. You have to take action. You need to do something about it. So to accomplish your goal, you need a plan. And the foundation of a plan for managing your money is called a budget. Uh, A budget is the foundation of your financial house upon which you will build your financial life. So a budget is something that you and I have used for many years. And I don't know how really anybody can manage money well without having a very specific plan. And part of creating a plan is to understand that there are some challenges to budgeting. Uh, There are um, some, I think, negative connotations and attitudes toward budgeting. And there's really, I think, several reasons why people do not want to budget or feel like maybe a budget is not for them. And I think I, I would like to at least touch on two of those. The first one is that they believe that a budget will limit their ability to live their lives, to have fun, to enjoy life. And actually, you and I know that that's probably the furthest from the truth. What a budget actually does is is allows you the ability to live your life and to have the freedom to be able to enjoy life, whereas not having a budget can have some very negative consequences down the road. So it's important to enjoy your life. A budget actually helps you to do that even more so. And then the second thing is that uh, at some point, someone may have used a budget as a form of control. And those people who have been controlled through the use of a budget, are really hesitant to use a budget because to them, it's a reminder perhaps of something that's happened to them in the way that they've been manipulated or controlled in the past. So a budget provides freedom, but you need cooperation, especially if you're married, you and your spouse, the couple needs to work together to create a plan that they both agree on so that there's no control, there's no manipulation going on. Yeah, I think that with this word, the budget, too often there's a negative connotation. And I want to break that. I want to break any fear or worry or anxiety that may come when you hear the word budget. So Leo talked about how there's a possibility that you may have been controlled by a budget in your life. And you may have felt someone else kind of holding the reins over you and you were constantly pulled in one direction or another. And it could have even been manipulative, which isn't right and it isn't healthy. But we are humans and people make mistakes. So we have to come to the place where we can forgive some of those mistakes that have been made and personally shift the way that we see the budget. How do we change our mindset? So I think one way to shift the mindset is through a little bit of a story. And so if you're driving or as you're listening to this episode, uh, just think for a moment and imagine this scenario. Imagine that there is a schoolyard And at the schoolyard, the kids will go out to play at recess. Think middle schoolers. They play kickball. They play softball. Uh, There's probably some basketball hoops in the yard and football. 
and the kids will go all the way up to the edge of the yard, except for there's one major problem. There is a busy road with a lot of traffic right on the edge of the yard. So when the kids get too close to that busy, dangerous road, the teachers would yell at them and demand that they come back in and the teachers would take control and pull them away from the danger. And so the kids learned over time that if they got too close to the edge of the yard, that they were going to get yelled at. And so they started to come in probably 10 to 15% shorter on the yard. Think maybe the past 20 or 30 yards right up to the edge, they won't go because they know if the ball goes into the road, they're going to get in really big trouble. Well, one day a contractor comes along and he sees the predicament that the kids are in. He sees that there's a busy, dangerous road right by the school. And so he goes and he builds a fence along the road, right up at the edge of the road, a tall, maybe 12 foot fence. And if you know how kids are, kids love to climb on the fence, look over it. And so now the kids have access to the full usage of the yard and they're protected because there's a safety barrier from going into the danger zone. And so this contractor has built a fence that protects the kids from doing something that's going to harm them, and they don't have to be controlled or manipulated by the teachers in this scenario because the teachers can give them full access to the yard and not feel any fear or worry about them going into a dangerous area. So when we talk about the budget, I want you to think of a fence that goes up around your finances that both people, if you're married or you individually, if you're single, that you agree to and that you decide we are going to do this together. We're going to be in unity. If you're single, potentially work with someone else just to have a little bit of accountability, but put that fence up around your money. And as you put that fence up, it gives you full use. So for Ashley and I, uh, when you look at kind of our personality types, we're similar in many ways and we're different in many ways as well. One thing is that I... I probably growing up leaned towards being not just a saver, uh, but probably problematically like a hoarder, like the kind of person that would not let go of finances, not a hoarder in the sense that I owned a lot of stuff, but when money came into my pocket, it was extremely difficult for me to ever let it go. And so I had a hard time spending. I really, can you imagine being married to somebody, and many of you might be, but being married to someone that won't spend anything, um, won't spend any money on anything. It's really tough. And I had to learn over time as Ashley and I came into unity on the budget that once we put the fence up, we could spend all the way within that yard. We could use our full incomes. Some of it was allocated to savings. Some of it was allocated to giving. Some of it was allocated to just pure enjoyment. And so when we were first dating, we would actually set aside, uh, I earned a little bit more money at the time, so I would set aside $30 each month, or actually each week, into a little envelope, and she would set aside $10 each week. And when we would get together for date night on the weekends, We'd have $40 to spend however we wanted. And that $40 allowed us to go out to eat, allowed us to go to the movies, allowed us to go to Starbucks. And for me personally, growing up, I had that saving almost with a Grinch mentality where I wouldn't let money go. Well, now that we have agreed upon where the money is going to go and that this money is going to come out of the envelope to enjoy over the weekend, it's not hard for me to spend at Starbucks anymore. It's not hard for me to enjoy the full yard. And Ashley now, as we continue to date, and now she's married to someone that has loosened the reins a little bit. And so it took time. We had to grow. I had to learn. I had to get healthy in this area. 
but shifting the mindset that this is a fence that protects you from going into the danger zone and opens up the whole yard. Now we go on vacations every year. We have weekend spending money where we go on date nights. We have weekly spending money to go on date nights. Uh, We have a lot of fun in our budget, but it took getting a full budget in place for me to get there, Leo. Yeah. Yeah. I love that example of the schoolyard because it really does visually give you this idea of a budget being really of something that's free, but it's limited, right? I mean, we have limitations in life, and that's a good thing, right? I mean, laws are put in place to to keep us safe, and um, offenses around our finances for the same reason, is to keep us safe from impulse buying or buying without thinking about the long-term ramifications of those decisions. So within a financial plan, just like a schoolyard, our financial plan is protected. We have fences around every category. Every area is, a, is given a certain amount that we can spend. And that makes us uh, able to really manage our money on purpose. And that's really important because if we're going to have a destination where we're going, then having a plan and allowing ourselves to spend up to a certain point, but also to save and to do the things that matter to us long term, then we can do that. A plan allows us to do that. And that's what I love about budgeting is that it, it is a freeing uh, tool. For me, it's something that's given me freedom to spend and not because I used to be just like you. I used to save like crazy. But at the same time, my wife wanted to have a life while we're also saving for the future. So now because we have a plan, we can together put a plan in place that allows us to accomplish both of those things. Yeah, I love that. There's one great example of this uh, as Ashley and I were dating and or actually when we had first gotten married. And <clears throat> she was gone all day one day and came back just with this really distraught look on her face. And I think it was a Saturday afternoon. I didn't really know uh, what the issue was. So I said, hey, what's wrong? It seems like you might be a little bit nervous or something's going on. And she said, well, I spent a lot of money today. And I just looked at her. And here's the funny thing. We've been married a little while. We had been in agreement on the budget. And I had complete trust and faith in the fact that she had probably used the money according to the plan we put in place because I knew she was this incredible woman of integrity and I knew she wouldn't break our plan. And so I said, okay, no problem. What did you buy? And she went through the grocery list and how she'd spent a couple hours buying groceries and spent a good amount of money but guess what? It was in the plan. And then she had gone shopping and had bought some clothes. But guess what? It was in our clothing envelope and she had used money from the clothing envelope. That morning before she left, she had booked a trip for us for vacation and had spent some money there. So the way that she was looking at it, she had spent over eight or $900 that day. And it was really freaking her out because that's a lot of money, especially when we were first married. That represented a huge portion of our income. Yeah, I can imagine. But it was in the plan. We had been saving money for clothes for months and months so that when the need for clothes came, she was ready to go. And we had money allocated for those groceries. So there was this fear or worry that she had. And because we were in agreement before the month began and we were already planning that vacation and had agreed we were going to do that, it was so neat because the, the fear and the worry was not needed at all. We were in unity. And as long as you can get to the place where once you set the budget up, 
the integrity is that you don't change anything. You don't overspend in any category without coming back into agreement with your spouse. And I knew that she wasn't going to overspend in a category without coming and talking to me first. So I had no fear. I wasn't worried at all that she had spent that much money. And when we talked it out, I was actually really grateful because she had gone shopping without me. So I didn't have to go shopping and spend four or five hours at the store. I mean, it was, it was a blessing. So it's kind of a funny story, but it just illustrates that having that plan in place really makes a difference. So as we're talking about the plan, let's look at how we would actually manage that. And so I'm going to talk about the monthly budget. If you get paid weekly, uh, bi-weekly, some of you probably are thinking that you get paid very weekly. Uh, in other words, not very much. <laughs> uh, okay, so if you get paid, no matter how you get paid, I think it's important to over time build a plan that considers a whole month. Uh, at the beginning of the month, before you spend anything, you have a plan for where every dollar is going to go. You know how much is going to come in each, if you're paid bi-weekly, how much is going to come in in each two-week paycheck, or if you're paid once a month, how much comes in at the beginning of the month, and then how you're going to spend that every single category listed out. So a written plan on paper or on your computer in place before the month even begins. And this is where that integrity comes in that once you create the plan, it's not that you can't change anything, but if you're married, you have to go back to your spouse before any changes can be made to categories because this is something that you together are agreeing on. If you're single, you have a little bit more flexibility, but you may need more accountability from a friend uh, or somebody that you trust. So we're calling this the zero-based budget meaning that at the bottom, it's going to equal zero. You're going to have income come into the top, and then you're going to spend all throughout the month creating categories that you're going to use all of the dollars that come in to the point where you get back to a zero at the bottom. And some of those dollars are going to be assigned to savings. Some of those dollars are going to be assigned to various categories. So Leo, what are some of the important categories that each person should look like or look at as they're building their budget? I think for a budget to really function well, you have to consider that it's not just a monthly budget. It is something we manage monthly, but it's really a yearly budget. And that's important to know because the difference between a monthly budget and a yearly budget is quite unique. If I'm going to create a budget, uh, let's say, for instance, I take one of the categories that I spend money in. I will take uh, personal expenses. And in that, I might have medical out-of-pocket costs. So I'll have doctor expenses, dental prescriptions, those kind of expenses. And in that particular category, I need to make sure that I am properly funded throughout the year. Uh, as you all know, you don't spend money in medical expenses every single month. Hopefully, you don't get sick every month and you don't have to go to the doctor every month. But you will at some point have to go to the doctor. So in creating the budget, you will look at what will you spend in the entire year. And again, sometimes when you begin this process, you may not know that number. You, you'll have to just take a good guess or estimate based on what's happened last year. But come up with a yearly amount. Let's say it's $1,200 in medical doctor expenses, out-of-pocket expenses for the year. Well, you take that number, you divide it by 12, and you come up with $100 per month. So now you're going to assign $100 toward medical expenses every single month. And whether you spend it or not, that money is allocated just to that category. So let's say for the first three months of the year, there's no medical expenses. Well, that $100 adds up to the next month and the next month. Now I have $300 and I'll have $400 in April. Now maybe I have to go to a doctor and I have to spend some money. So the money will be there when the need arises. When I need to spend it, it'll be there. But that's what makes budgeting 
this way successful is because before you need the money, the money will be there because you're always looking forward and assigning that money for the entire year, but then you're managing it monthly. So whether you're spending it that month or not, you will have it when you need it. The other categories that we typically see in a budget, and there's anywhere from 9 to 14, depending on how unique or how detailed you want to have your budget. But we have categories like giving. If you enjoy being generous in some way, you have to assign a category to that. How much do you want to give? Are you a person that's a person of faith that's giving to their local church? Well, if you are, you need to set that money aside. So when it's time to go to church and write that check, then then you're able to do that. Otherwise, you may not ever be able to do it. So you have to assign that category. You'll have categories like taxes, housing expenses, food, everything from groceries to eating out or drive through transportation, personal uh, costs like medical, hair care, anything that's that's related to your personal well-being. It might even be like gym membership. All of that's included in there. Recreation, eating out uh, might be part of that or going to the movies, uh, going on a date night, even vacation would be included in recreation. And then childcare. If you are of the age where you have a bunch of kids and you're both working, then obviously somebody's got to watch those kids. So you need to have money for childcare. And then the last couple is savings. You need to save every month. We'll talk about savings down the road, but uh, savings is part of your financial life. It's something you, you always need to be doing. You should always be saving for something. And then last is debt. If you have any kind of outstanding debt, revolving debt, You need to make sure that you're setting aside that money to pay it and eventually work your way toward paying that off. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, you're listening to these categories and it might be a little confusing as you listen. Realize that you can go on to leosabo.com and just download a list of these expenses and some of the budgeting tools that are available on there. Uh, Once you break these open, you'll see that even inside of housing, there's subcategories. So under housing, you're also going to have your rent or mortgage your water, your electricity, the maintenance to maintain where you're living, potentially a yard fund or a pool fund, the insurance that it costs to live there, and internet expenses or anything that may fit under housing. So we're not going to go into the overly intricate detail of each one of these categories, but realize you have resources and tools that you can access. And one of the cool things to do is that as you look at each of these categories, there is a guideline that can help you figure out how much should I be spending or should you be spending in each of these categories. So Leo, what does that guideline look like and how would you walk someone through that? The guideline itself was uh, created by doing a, uh, a survey of people that were managing money successfully. And what they found out is that people were doing two things. They were providing for their basic needs every single month, but they're also saving for the future. And really, if you think about it, that is successful money management. If you can take care of your family every single day and also save for the future, you're always going to be okay, right? Yeah. So. Part of the guidelines was to find out what percentage of income were these successful people spending in different areas of their budget. So how much were they spending on housing? How much were they spending on vacation, on personal costs, on miscellaneous, all those different categories that we talked about, how much were they spending? And what this guideline allows you to do is to benchmark your budget. So when you begin to put your budget in place, it allows you to compare your expenses with the expenses of a successful family that makes the same kind of income that you make and the same family type. So you can do a side-by-side comparison to find out, hey, am I within 
a safe range that I'm spending my money in? Am I spending too much on my house or maybe not enough? Or am I saving enough? Not enough. So it gives you that ability to understand how to how to start off at a good place where you're spending, but you're not spending too much in one area, but you are providing enough for every area. In many of the cases that David and I have uh, done in financial coaching, what we find is that people who don't have a budget typically spend more in certain areas and not enough in other areas. So for instance, they might spend 40-50% of their income on their house, um, all the housing expenses combined, but they're not setting anything aside for savings, or they're not setting anything aside for investing, or even uh, childcare expenses, or you know those kind of things. So it's important to understand that a budget has to be fully funded. You can't leave certain areas unfunded because down the road, you're going to need to spend money in those areas. And chances are it's either going to result in you taking on debt or you'll have to do without, which is really difficult because a lot of those areas are basic needs like clothing and saving. One of the things that, that I think is important to understand is that there's a what we call a 60% rule when you're creating your budget. And the 60% rule encompasses three areas of your budget, which are the really the areas, the categories that take up the most amount of money in your budget. The three are your housing expenses, your transportation expenses, and your food expenses. Typically, those three will equal to 60% or more of your budget. Now, the key thing is to keep that at 60% or less. So your housing typically should be around 30%, and that includes the mortgage, the taxes, the insurance, and every other utility and everything that David mentioned a few minutes ago. And in your food and your transportation, again, it includes all those things that are part of those categories. When you add those three up together, if it's more than 60%, here's what's going to happen. The other categories will not have enough to be able to be fully funded. So when you consider that there's about 9 or 10 average categories in a budget, and if three of those are taking up 60%, right, there's at least six or seven that are going with the rest 40%. So if you have six or seven and you take 40 and divide it by them, you're going to have five to 7% in each one of them. And that's accurate. That's average of what you need to spend in those areas. But if you're over the 60%, let's say you're at 80% between those three. Now you only have 20% between six or seven categories. So it makes it very challenging to balance your budget and to live within your means by having those three be too high. I think that's really important. Uh, one of the categories that most people don't realize that they might be overspending in is housing. And you'll look at the guideline and you'll see there's, it depends on how much your income is and what season of life you're in. But the typical housing expense is somewhere around 30%, somewhere between 25 to 35%, but typically around 30 to 33 and if you go into a residence or into a rent or a mortgage that's causing you in your housing category to immediately overspend in that one area by 10%, people don't think about it, but it means that they have to dramatically reduce spending in other areas. And so people will say, well, no, you know, everything's fine. I, I'm not in debt. I don't have any issues, but I'll look at the housing category and I'll know. If you're putting an extra 10% towards housing, I know that's being sacrificed somewhere else. And typically the place that it's being sacrificed is on an annual cost that they're not thinking of in the moment. And that's why we talk about a yearly plan managed monthly, because I know that at some point car repairs are going to come up, but their car repair budget is 
5% lower than it should be because 10% is going to housing. So their car repairs are a little bit low. Maybe their medical savings is a little bit low. And I know at some point they're going to take their kids to the dentist or they're going to have to go get blood work done or their car is going to break down. We're, we're humans and we live in a world where things happen unexpectedly, but we can plan for those unexpected events. And you might even call them expected events. Over time, they're going to happen in your life. And so, so what scares me is when I see somebody who's housing is way out of line or whose transportation is way out of line. And it's so helpful to have these tools. So Leo, I'm actually on your website right now and I'm just on the resources page and I'm scrolling through looking at the budget and the monthly guidelines. And one of the things that I love about this, you know that I am a pastor. And so I work at a church and people will ask me, David, how is it possible that you're able to give the first 10% of your income. And my wife and I give the first 10% on the gross. So we give our 10% uh, back to the Lord. And we say, we're not giving it to the church. We're giving it to God, but we're doing it through the church. So we're honoring the Lord by returning it to the Lord's house. People say, how can you give 10% of your income to the church? That, that blows me away. And if you look at the spending guideline, it shows you how to do it. It shows you exactly how much would go into giving, exactly how much goes into housing. So you can line your life up according to your convictions. For us, it's according to the Bible. Uh, and not only do are we able to tithe and return the first 10% to the Lord's house, but we're able to support kids in compassion ministries and support kids around the world and help them uh, just with their day-to-day expenses. So we're able to give above and beyond as well. But the reason is that we have a plan in place. And this guideline that I'm looking at on your website is super, super helpful to line up how much should I be putting in each area of my life based on my income? And so we'll do more shows potentially on the unique budget itself, but we want to just give you this overview of what that looks like uh, on a yearly plan managed monthly. That's good. I love that, David. I think without planning, it's hard to do those kind of things. It's, it's difficult to give if you're not planning to give. If you don't have a plan in place that says, hey, I'm going to set aside 10, 12% of my income— to give. Well, I know without planning it and without initiating it, it's just not going to happen. So that's what a budget does, but it's not just in the area of giving. It's in every area, right? If I know that I want to provide my wife with the ability to get her nails or her haircut done so many times a year, if I don't put it in there, every time she comes to me and asks me for this, I'll think, well, we don't have the money for that. And I'll have to start thinking about what do I have to sacrifice to allow her to do this? Well, and that's the wrong way to say it. It's not allowing her, but giving her the chance to do it, right? And for us, we that's something we had to sit down and figure out. How are we going to provide for the things that we value, the things we care about? And the only way we knew how to do that is to create a plan that would include all those things. So in our spending, we look at every category and we fund every category. We take what money we have, we spend it on paper before the month actually begins so that we're able to stick to a plan that's going to allow us to have some fun, to enjoy some of the things in life, and also be able to save for the future and make sure that we're staying on track for the goals and the financial plans that we have for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the categories that I think everyone neglects is the area of gifts to family Mm. and themselves, even on your birthday. You know you're going to want a birthday present or you're going to want to go out to dinner to celebrate your birthday. And almost no one that I have ever sat down and talked to actually had a plan in place for how they were going to pay for Christmas. 
I mean, I sit down across the table from people every week and I can honestly not think of one person that had a, had a plan written out in place and said, I'm planning to give this much at Christmas and I already have savings set aside for that. Actually, I can think of one lady and she was the sweetest lady. She actually had a fund at her work that every every paycheck she got, a percentage was actually going into a direct savings account just for Christmas. I was so proud of her. And that was probably like two or three years ago that, that happened. It just, just came to mind. But that's uh, one out of hundreds, right? <laughs> yeah, one out of hundreds. And so I got this uh, happening so often at the church uh, where people would overspend at Christmas, would buy birthday gifts for themselves or their spouse or their kids, not having planned for it. And we would build a budget. We'd put it in place. We'd, we'd have every dollar lined out, except for they wouldn't plan for the gifts. And so when the birthday rolled around or their best friend's birthday or the office holiday party, whatever it was, their budget would implode because there'd be an extra $50 missing or an extra $100 missing because we couldn't, we could not do both dinner and a gift for our kids or for our spouse. And so I actually created a gift planning tool just for this scenario. It was one of those things that came up over and over and over again. And so if you Google gateway stewardship and you go to the resources and the guides and forms, there's actually a gift planning tool and you'll download it and you can see how much am I going to give to my kids at Christmas? How much am I going to spend on my anniversary? What about graduation gifts? It's just one of those things that came up so often that I feel like I got to get that out there because it's just one of those, one of those things that if you don't plan for each category of your budget, there is a chance that it's going to implode at some point. Yeah. And so many times that, that particular uh, category just is, can be very expensive, right? Especially when Christmas comes around. And then you have your friends, and there seems to be a season of life where all your grandkids or your your uh, nieces and nephews are all getting married one after the other, and and it's just it becomes costly. Uh, you know, it, it's a very expensive thing. So without planning, you're probably not going to have the ability to to do it in a, in a very healthy way. You're either going to have to borrow, or you're going to have to rob other areas, and that's never a good thing because when you rob something, it's going to have to do without for a while. And yeah, there are some places you can take it from but many places you cannot take it from. Yeah, I saw a comic the other day and it was a, it was a wife talking to her husband and she said, well, we've already robbed Peter to pay Paul. Where are we going to get the next dollar from? You know, it was this idea that they've already stolen from all their other categories and then they still needed more. And it just made me laugh because we talk about robbing Peter to pay Paul, taking from the right hand and moving it to the left hand. At the end of the day, you run out of hands or you run out of saints to steal from, <laughs> depending on your categories. And it just cracks me up. When you go back to the guideline, the guideline is set up to give you the percentages, but here's the key thing. You can only spend 100% of your money. It does not allocate 110 or 120%. It only allocates 100%. So it takes all those categories and gives each one of them a percentage because successful families, that's how they manage. They take 100% of their income and they break it up and spend certain percentages on each one. So no matter what you're spending your money on, it's your decision. Whatever you value the most, that's what you put your money on. But realize that when you over budget in one area, it's going to make it very difficult for other areas to be properly funded. And that's a very important thing to understand as you're budgeting. So there are some common questions I think that we have, which we'd love to go into at a future episode. I think we'll maybe start off next next episode with some questions that we 
we'll touch on, because again, what we touched on today was more of an overview of what a budget is, the fact that it is a yearly budget, but we manage monthly and we do it by categories. This is what's, I think, unique about the way we teach budgeting, is that it's not this month-to-month existence. It's a yearly budget that helps you to manage your life in such a way that you can accomplish the things that you have set out to do. And I highly recommend that you go to leosabo.com and download some of those tools. And we'll probably link them in the show notes as well, because it'll create an annual plan that you manage monthly. So on next week's episode, we're actually going to break down some of the seasons of life and some of the most common questions that we get regarding a plan or a financial journey over your entire life. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes so more people can find us. You can also subscribe to our podcast while you're there. And don't forget, you can also share this podcast on your favorite social media platform. And uh, we're just thankful that you're part of this. Let us know how we can serve you better. But in the meantime, we're just excited that you came. So join us next time so that together we can keep keep getting getting money money right. right. So long, everybody. I think for a budget to really function well, you have to consider that it's not just a monthly budget. It is something we manage monthly, but it's really a yearly budget. But that's what makes budgeting this way successful is because before you need the money, the money will be there. 